2: Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi,
3: I'm Matt Janssen, and you're listening to the BRFCS Podcast.
2: Welcome one and all to this very special episode of the BRFCS Podcast, this is the Matt Janssen special. In part one we'll be chatting with John Coleman who has ghostwritten Matt's recently published autobiography but as a special treat in part two we have an interview with the man himself because we caught up with Matt at Ewood Park just before his evening with Matt Janssen event. And what a special interview, and what a special occasion it was. This is a special episode in more ways than one, though, because BRFCS is pleased to announce that we are partnering with theterristore.com. We've got special discounts lined up for all you podcast listeners. Just go to theterrissstore.com and enter BRFCS at the checkout to get access to your special discount. The New York Rovers would like to welcome you to the BRFCS.com podcast covering the 2019-2020 Blackburn Rovers Championship campaign, hosted by Ian Herbert and joined by some very special guests. Don't forget to check out the forum here at brfcs.com to continue the discussion. So it's my great pleasure to welcome to this episode um, a journalist from uh, the, I think it's the Carlisle News and Star and the Cumberland News. It's John Coleman. John, welcome to the BRFCS podcast.
1: Hello and thanks for having me.
2: It's it's our pleasure. Uh, did I get that right? What what is your your history of reporting on football up in the yes. Carlisle
1: area? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, it's it's the News and Star and the Cumberland News. News and Star is the daily paper. The Cumberland News is the weekly. And um, the same team produces both papers. Right. And I've been the main the main football reporter um, covering Carlisle United mainly for the last sort of fourteen, nearly fifteen years. Um, so um, not quite old enough to to have reported on Matt at Carlisle, but I certainly watched him from from the terraces and and I've covered the the team since 2005 it was
2: I was about to say that, you're actually a boyhood Carlisle United fan so that that means that you're being paid to watch the team of your youth, is that right?
1: That's absolutely right, yeah Sounds a terrible job <laughs> it, it, it wasn't Saturday because Carlisle played Exeter, and, uh, <laughs> and weren't uh, yeah. It wasn't one to write home about, but it, it, it is a labour of love, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a wonderful job but to to cover the team you you grew up supporting, and you know, I was taken to watch Carlisle by my dad from, from the age of sort of eight, and then you know, several years later, I was fortunate to get to get the job of writing about them. So yeah, ups and downs, and and successes and miseries, and everything that goes with being a football supporter. I've been very lucky to have been able to call that my job as well so fantastic. so yeah it, it's a fantastic job and and yeah and it uh, it tests you in some ways but there are a million worse jobs out there to be doing so I know how lucky I am to do it
2: so you will have seen Matt play for Carlisle United as a fan what what was he like then to what extent was he was, did he stand out from the rest of the team and you know to what extent was he destined for greatness
1: well, I think it was it was quite apparent very early on and um, when Matt broke into the Carlisle team that that they had something a bit different and, and a little bit special. I, mean, I know coming through the, the youth ranks, he was always sort of flagged up by, you know, the youth coaches as, as someone with talent. You know, there were big clubs looking at him through his teenage years, as, as, as he describes in the book. But his, his sort of horizons didn't really stretch too far beyond Carlisle at that point. Um, he, he wanted to to play for his local club, and he wanted to, I guess, see see how good he could be, and and see if he could be the star on that stage. And, and he broke into the team, sporadically at first, sort of in about two. Uh, sorry, uh, nineteen ninety six seven season. Um, he, he made a few cameo appearances, and and I, I remember, I think it was his first start or one of his first possible appearances was against Mansfield in a home game, uh-huh. and. He sort of changed the game a little bit. This, this quite slight and quite, and slightly wiry teenage lad who just seemed to have this ability just to to take a player on and just go past him just when you didn't expect it and, and he was involved in a move that led to a penalty that got Carlisle a point I think they were down to 10 men at the time as well and it was just a little bit of a sort of refreshing introduction by this this kid with a, with a little bit of magic in his boots and yeah. there were a lot of talented young Cumbrian players at the time there was a real wave of them people like, like Rory Dilap and Lee Peacock and Scott Dobie came through. Paul Murray was a really, really good player who had broken through a bit earlier, and yeah. so it was very much a theme at the club at the time that these local lads were were really coming through and making an impact. But Matt, Matt just had a little bit, a bit more than the rest, I think. And yes, he, he didn't, he didn't get in regularly that season because Carlisle were were doing very well at the time. They got promoted. They went to Wembley and won the auto windscreen shield. They were a successful side with a fair bit of experience and a good formula. And There was a little bit of a clamour for Matt to get more opportunities, but he didn't really have too much of a case to be saying, look, I need to be in this team. Because they were winning... Regularly as it was, and they were good enough, and and also Mervyn Day, the manager, was I think was quite keen to protect Matt a little bit because yeah. there was some pretty rough house defending at the time. Again, he describes a few of those in the book, which I'll which I won't I won't go into too much detail on here. But Matt was never afraid of of, of a rough challenge, and he quite relished it. But I think Mervyn Day was keen to protect him, and it wasn't until the following season that when they were up in the, in the what's now League One that his case to be playing was 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 now irresistible. And he got into that side very quickly, and, and over that first half of the ninety seven ninety eight season, he was the star. He was yeah. producing individual performances which were just a cut above of what you normally saw at that level. Individual skill, again, going past people, better in the air than probably some people maybe remember as well. He had a real spring on him. Yes, he did. And he yes. just he just had he just had you know he had goal scoring ability too, but he just had flair and. And so many of the things—a bit of a fantasy footballer for that level—and I think you knew, yeah, fairly quickly that he's going to be in demand, and 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 so it so it happened with with some of the big biggest, biggest clubs in the land. So I can't think of a more talented, naturally talented, homegrown player I've ever seen come through at Carlisle than, than Matt Janssen. Um, and they've had some good ones. And they've also had some good sort of young loan players too over the years. But I I would put Matt at the top of the tree from my point of view on that.
2: It, I think it's always the case with a, a small club when you see a player like that coming through. You just cherish them while you got them because you know, as you say, that they, they're going to get picked off. I think at, at Rovers, it's certainly my heritage, watching them in the, in the 70s in the third division, you, whilst you, you welcomed a good player coming through, you, you, part of you is thinking, oh, he's not going to be here long, is he? And, and yes. I, get the, I get the same sort of sense that it's kind of like, enjoy it while it's here.
1: Yeah, it, and, and Carlisle at the time as well, they'd, 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 they'd come out of a really moribund and, and quite worrying period yeah. in, in the history, in the very early 90s. The club was skint, it was broke, it was really sliding into oblivion. Then then Michael Knighton came along with, oh, yes. with his big promises, <laughs> and, and initially he transformed the club. He, he got the club back on a successful footing, they had, they had a promotion, they went to Wembley, the place was energised. They, they went up, they went down, they went up again. And it, it was that following season, I think, where Knighton's reign sort of turned very sour quite um, yeah. like, quickly, I think. And that that period when when Matt was breaking through and really making a name for himself, that they'd actually sold one or two of the, the young star's support were were expressing concerns about where that money was being reinvested. The team was never able to kick on from 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 a promotion, from a success. They sort of hit the buffers and went back the other direction again. And then questions were being asked about knight and stewardship of the club, and and it, they just seemed to be just selling the selling the family silver a yes. little bit um, yes. without without really reaping any benefits from it ultimately. And. And that was the period, really, where you you knew, and it was crystallised that yeah, these lads, these lads aren't going to be around for long. They, they, they are a selling club. They are cashing in on these young assets. It, it's it's a shame they couldn't have held on to them and, and, and built on them. But sometimes it's just the nature of the beast at the smaller club. But other times you you think, you know, if only they'd, they'd maybe just battled a bit harder to build a team around that core because it was it was a once in a generation. Yeah. Um, flowering of talent, really, and Matt was, Matt was by far the best. But having said all that, we're never going to keep a talent like him for long, because, you know, as I say, the biggest clubs in, in the world, in Manchester United, were chasing him. So uh, that was the reality of it, really, with, certainly with Matt and one or two others. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: So um, just in case it's not apparent to our listeners, you, you've been, uh, I think the phrase is, the ghostwriter of Matt's autobiography. Mm-hmm. How did the assignment come about then? How did you first uh, hear of the, the opportunity, and did and how did it, it crystallise?
1: Yeah, I was obviously, you know, a supporter of of I had watched Matt and and had followed his story ever since, you know, sort of shared in, in everyone's real sense of heartbreak for Matt when what happened to him in Rome and the way his career tailed off since then, and as a journalist, um, covers covers Carlisle United and and Cumbrian footballers. Matt was one of the was one of the very finest. And, and as a journalist, you keep you keep in touch and you keep tabs on these yeah. these players. I didn't really know Matt. I, I'd never really met him. I don't think in my reporting days until probably about five years ago when it was it was up in Carlisle for. Um, for a testimonial of, of Peter Murphy, someone else with with a Blackburn connection, um, a real legend of, of Carlisle United, he got a load of ex players up to to play in this in this testimonial sort of charity game. Matt was one of them, and I think I bumped into Matt when he was coming off the pitch and just introduced myself and said, "Look, you know, it'd be nice to come down and, and do a piece with you with what you're doing at Chorley." He was, he was oh, okay. the assistant, assistant manager then, and, yeah. and Matt, was, Matt was Matt. He was he was saying, "Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, here's my number, I give me a call." So, so I did and arranged to go down. And see him at Charlie, and and had a, a, a very interesting interview with Matt, where he talked not just about his coaching duties, but about really about a lot of the, the things that he's expanded on in the book, um, about the the mental side of the game and, and how his mentality and psychology was was affected and the things he he tried to do to to get his mind back together and this was just in an interview for the newspaper he talked about working with Steve Peters and things and one of two things I don't think he'd gone into much detail about publicly before and <laughs> in the back of my mind when I went to see him uh, because I, I'd written a book before with, with the cricketer Paul Nixon and, and you know it's something I, I, was, I was always interested in doing doing again and I just thought Matt Matt has a unique story here I was I was quite surprised it, it, it hadn't been committed to print before. Yes, and I think I dropped it into the conversation. Look, have you ever thought about doing a book? And and I think I think most footballers probably think they've got a book in him. Some some of them probably shouldn't shouldn't yes. bother because they <laughs> not not as interesting as maybe they think in their own minds. But Matt was a little bit different. He his thoughts were well. Look, I, I, it was quite a long time ago that I played. Would people really really? at the end of the day, be, be that interested. And, and my thought was, yes, I'm certain they will, because you've got a unique story and quite a powerful one. And if you know if you were able to open up about it, I'm sure there'd be interest. And Matt uh, uh, it, it can be quite a, a glass-half-empty personality. He sort of admits that quite freely. And we, we sort of left it quite vaguely. And I said, look, if I can put a few more thoughts together in a bit more detail, maybe we could get together and talk about this. A little bit more thoroughly and and see what you think about maybe looking into a book uh-huh. uh, and so he agreed to do that and, and, and we, we kept in touch a little bit i then went down went back down to see him at his at his home um with with some of his family and we just we sat one evening one afternoon one evening and and really just thrashed out what what i felt was possible and and we just discussed his life his career his story and and I think fairly quickly Matt come round to the idea that yes there's some there's some merit and there's some value in doing this. There was an article on on the Daily Telegraph website a few years ago that, that kind of stuck and, and stuck in Matt's crawl a little bit. Um, it was it was a bit of a clickbait article about a number of young English strikers yes. who who never lived up to the hype. I think it was it was something like. Yes. And there was there was one or two you clicked through one or two and then there was Matt and the article was shamefully made no reference to his horrendous injury injury and accident that nearly killed him it was more or less just he you know he was he had he was great on championship manager he had a great start to his career then his sort of career was ravaged by injuries and he was never the same again and I think that made Matt think hang on a minute you missed you missed something (laughs) quite there's a fairly salient
2: detail here yeah
1: well yeah and and perhaps perhaps my story isn't you know hasn't been told in the way that I think it deserves to be and and I think quite quickly you know a few of these things were in Matt's mind and and I think he recognized that yeah I I think I think it's time to it's time to look into this and do it so so we agreed to do it from there basically we agreed to to work together and see and see how it would go um I spent a bit of time researching Matt's life and career that Mm -hmm. took a period of a few months I put one or two early feelers out, sort of publishing-wise, but um, that process didn't really step up until I'd, I'd sat down with Matt on a number of occasions, got a lot of his of his words on tape, and then and and written up, and yeah. and had a bit of an idea in mind. And because you never quite know what's going to come out until you start the process with the with, with the person involved. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, it, it was soon apparent how strong Matt's story was going to be. I, I I I can't say I was too surprised at that because I just felt as soon as he was you know, prepared to be as open as he was from the outset. Uh, and, and I think he really sort of bought into it. The more we went along with it, you could see he was he was really committing to what an autobiography should be, which is open, it's honest, it's candid, it's quite courageous at times. And as that went on, that, that's how the process just went. I would go to Matt's house in Alderley Edge. We'd spend two or three hours just going over a certain stage in his, his career or his life. And it would piece it together from there. I, I, I spoke to Lucy, his wife, uh, once or twice as well. She was, she's one of the heroes of the story, really, and she was... I was about was to say that. Hero.
2: Yes, very uh, much so.
1: And and one or two other people who have been sort of central to his life and career, went to see his parents on a couple of occasions, his his brother-in-law and, and, and former agent Jay, and, and his father-in-law, Barry, who's been really again one of the heroes of not just Matt's story but the book itself has been such an asset and such a, a support and so you, you, you're you touching a lot of bases really in the process and, and then it just came to um, sort of discussing it with a with a literary agent who was recommended to us. We met him. He was really keen and thought that the book had merit and could could attract publishers and and then he 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 really smoothed the process to, to getting us the, the publishing deal with Polaris. And then that's when the, the, the process kind of sped up again. Yeah. And the book itself was was pieced together in, in terms of the mechanics of it. So all of this took took a period of several years. Um, wow and it was, it was quite painstaking at times and there was certain periods when things were were moving quicker than others but all throughout i think everybody knew we had something pretty special in terms of this guy's story and how he's how he's been prepared to tell it and you you always sense that the that the effort and the time and the energy you're putting into it is is going to be worth it. So that's that's how it came about, and that's how we got to where we are now.
2: That's that's extraordinary. I, I would never have guessed that it would take so long uh, from the initial idea through to to the publishing it's, it's it shows great tenacity on, on everyone's part I think in terms of getting the project out and certainly having read the finished article it's it's very much well worth it and I'm sure people listening to this that haven't already bought a copy will uh, will hopefully rush out and get it because it's a terrific read and it works on so many different levels during your conversations with matt then what was what was the most difficult bit to get out to to actually cover I think I can guess what the answer is but i I'm, I'm interested to see how easily that flowed
1: it's interesting that you say you can probably guess what that is but in all honesty that the most difficult parts of matt's what you'd think would be matt's story the accident the aftermath his struggles the the depression uh, and all of that it wasn't it, it wasn't uh, you, you didn't need a crowbar to get all that out of matt far right. from it he was i mean talking about the accident in particular that was was quite quite easy i think in a way it's probably the wrong word but it, matt doesn't really remember what happened after the accident after he was hit by the taxi, he blanked out he was in a coma for six days yeah and he was he was recuperating very very slowly and that period that initial period he doesn't he doesn't remember so remembering rome remembering the hospital and the initial sort of trauma that everybody felt matt was a little bit oblivious to that so he he was able to recall happened in rome the holiday they had right up to the point of impact with the taxing he was able to recall that very very clearly crystal clear and and really he 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 picked up the story after that uh, several days later when he's Kind of hazily on the plane home and then still not recalling great details about his first few days back in england when he's convalescing um and it was only after that when he started to feel his way back into to normal life and then football that his, his memories come back a bit sharper i don't imagine it was easy for him to go over all that for one second because you're talking about the most traumatic thing possible in someone's life but again it he never clammed up about it. He never sort of said, "Look, this is too hard for me to do." I think he recognised that I'm telling my story here, and I'm going to tell it as openly as I can because I went through I went through hell, yeah. and it has to be told honestly. It may help people for me to tell it honestly. I think Matt's got a, 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 such a different perspective on on his own sort of mental health and everything than than he did. When he was really struggling at the time, I think you know he's obviously a bit older, wiser. There's a bit of time and distance there now.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I wouldn't say there was any part of it that was really difficult to to discuss with Matt. You, you, you're conscious that you're discussing difficult things, and and it, it wasn't going to be you know a, a barrel of laughs all the time talking about this stuff. But but as I say, it wasn't. I, I was pushing it an open door with Matt and getting him to talk about this stuff because I think he recognised the the value in doing yeah. so.
2: To what extent do you think this has been a cathartic exercise for him then?
1: Well, well Matt will answer that a lot better than, than myself, but um, I, I do know that the outcome of having the book out now and having people reading it, responding to it, interacting with it, and some of the coverage it's it's received, I think that's been really reassuring for Matt. Yeah. Um, in terms of the fact that, yeah, the full story is out there now, and he's sort of unburdened himself with everything that he went through that, that a lot of people just didn't realise. So... How cathartic the actual process was? Yeah, I think it probably was to to an extent because I think he recognised that I'm in control of of my story here. Now I'm I'm setting everything on the record. I'm doing something that might that might help other people as well as myself. I think you know we go back to that telegraph article where there was so much of that story just was ignored. I think he probably got the bit between his teeth to say right, I'm going to set the record straight here. I'm going to tell yeah. I'm going to tell my story. That a lot of people quite clearly don't know and might have misconceptions about. So I think he's, I think he has got a lot of value out of being able to do that. And, it, and he's, I think he's quite openly said that. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's been good for him getting over the accident and, and, and the, the, you know, the years after that when he really struggled mentally. I, I think the time when his playing days finished and he moved into managing and coaching, he, he says that was, that was the stage when he was able to move on. A lot better because he wasn't trying to live up to you know the the glory of his playing days he wasn't trying to recapture that he was doing something else it was a new discipline and that cloud wasn't over him as much so that initially i think helped him but being able to put this this perspective on his own story in so much detail i think i think it's been good for him too but he'll tell you a lot more about how it's how he's felt doing it but yeah Yeah. i I think i don't think i'd be i don't think i'd be telling telling any lies by saying it has helped him doing it yeah
2: yeah yeah well as i said before it's a a tremendous read and the the, the bits that I particularly liked were the, the insights of the, the people that were influential upon him whether that's in a mm. professional capacity as his managers, Steve Peters clearly has an important role to play but you've touched on it already and it's uh, Mrs Janssen Lucy uh, yeah. and, and her family as you say um, Barry the father-in-law there's a lot of, it seems like he has a robust support network around him and that that's yeah. really reassuring uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, to know yeah. that people have those those best interests at heart. Um, how How is easy was it to get them to, to contribute to the project
1: again again it wasn't um you know i wasn't fighting any battles at all to to get them to contribute when we when we discussed i gave my view that especially because there were chunks of time that matt just doesn't remember yeah um, you needed to fill the gaps in i guess you know yeah you needed to fill the gaps in and you can either fill the gaps in by saying look i can't remember what happened here it's a blank you know, you, you come to your own conclusions or you lean on the people that do remember and we're right in the middle of it, dealing with it. It's such, such a challenging thing to deal with. And are they prepared to help Matt tell his story, really? Yeah. Um, and, and because because Lucy was such a, uh, and always has been, such a, a central part of, of Matt's life, Matt's story from from that time in 2002 onwards, I just felt it would be potentially... So valuable to 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 hear Lucy's insights and and I was just so grateful that she was as as willing and open and and again courageous to do so. Um, I sat down with Lucy a couple of times and with the dictaphone on, as as I had been with Matt many times, yes. and 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 Lucy and Lucy spoke and was was insightful and was was detailed. And again, don't for one second think it was the easiest thing she, she would ever have done in her life. But again. She was she was brave in doing so and recalling really upsetting things that that she experienced that Matt didn't in a way and and I, I feel it's really added just a sense of authenticity that to, to to parts of the book, telling the reader what actually went on when Matt was out cold in lying face down in the cobbles in Rome, what what it was like when he was in a coma in in that horrible uh, first hospital they were in in Rome, um, what was happening around Matt uh, when this life changing thing had just happened after Absolutely. the impact and lucy's very 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 smart very um very savvy person i found and but ultimately very sort of candid and sincere and uh, i just i just i found her insights so valuable and 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 I think the book benefits from them immensely.
2: During during the the, the process itself, then uh, there, there are <laughs> I don't want to lead the witness, but there there are one or two interesting characters that come out, and you've touched on one already. Um, what, what what was the funniest story or the funniest anecdote that that came out that you thought, oh, that's definitely got to go in.
1: <laughs> well, there the, the, there are quite a few, and there were there were probably one or two that didn't make the cut as well. For, I guess certain... that's what I'm
2: angling at, but uh, legal people yeah. might stop you from saying.
1: Yeah, there the, the were one or two um, classic stories that just were probably legally. I mean, Matt was was adamant that, that certain things happened, but proving them in a court of law <laughs> might have been a... <laughs> so. We had to own on the side of caution with one or two of those. So I'd, I'd love to repeat those, but again, it'll I'd, be in one not...
2: day. Yes. Yeah,
1: so... <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I th- there were there were some quite entertaining things that he told, and some 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 quite unique characters. I mean, for instance, Michael Knighton at Carlisle—that's
2: the name every, I had in mind for the Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I
1: thought it might be every Carlisle supporter, and probably a lot of Man United supporters too, will have a fairly clear opinion and view and picture of Michael Knighton. I mean, in his ten years of owning Carlisle United, it was a period of quite brash, but genuine glory, yeah, followed by a, a real period of decline, <laughs> struggle and, and quite bitter sort of conflict really with, with, with supporters and, and, and the press and, and everything else and, and become a real traumatic period for, for the club. So everyone has, you know, there's no grey area in people's opinions with Michael Knighton but Matt paints the picture of this of this showman this man who um, had an ego the size of a planet who was Quite a, I don't know, quite a unique sort of business style in terms of running the club and the process when Matt was being pursued by Manchester United and particularly Crystal Palace was quite interesting. Uh, Matt tells a story in the book about when it, it's quite unusual really to think back, but this was when Matt was playing in the first team at Carlisle. Yeah, yeah, mid-season he was he was heading off to Manchester United to Derby and to train with these teams yeah. for a period. Days which you 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 just can't imagine that now happening. um and Just imagine if we, he got injured. Something. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, you you you, you just it, it's it, and it was quite unusual at the time, probably, but even more so now. I think absolutely, in hindsight. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but this was what was happening. That was you know he was playing for Carlisle, and he was jumping off the team bus, getting on Derby's team bus, going to play like a friendly for them. Then he was off to Man United to train with 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 Beckham and Kane and Gigs and the, those guys. Then he was off down to Crystal Palace, w- accompanied by Knighton, um, and I think he was quite perturbed that Knighton had only booked um, one twin room for both of them in, in some hotel down in. That's in the South story, India. John.
2: That's that's the yeah. <laughs> that's the load. I have to say, when I read that, it was kind of seriously, really. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I think it was, for, you know, for a young player, who was accompanied by this 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 brash, bold businessman. Um just sharing sharing the twin room for the <laughs> night. I just think it was it was quite a strange experience really, you know. Um which it probably would be for anyone, wouldn't it? Absolutely. But the little things like that—it's just quite a, you know, a unique way of operating, probably. And, and you, you get certain insights into 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 Michael Knight and the character. You—you you couldn't yeah. write a dull book yeah. that features Michael Knight, and he's got one of his own, out, actually, about his time at Man United. And I think that'll be that'll be interesting in, in all sorts of ways. Well, um, I certainly so, remember
2: so, the uh, the ball juggling at the Stretford mm. end
1: and all that sort of stuff. So when well, he ended, yeah, he did he did that at Carlisle too. Oh, did he? <laughs> He had people eating out of his hands in the sort of early to mid 90s. He, he transformed the club and and sent a real buzz through the city. So you know, th- there's absolutely no denying that. Yeah. Um, what he did to the club initially, it's just a shame. A shame how it ended. But, but, but yeah, colourful character and and. And some other interesting characters and, and some amusing little um, little tangents along the way. You know, some of his teammates at Blackburn. Yeah. You know, people like Keith, Keith Gillespie and people like that. He tells a few good tales. And um, there's one tale involving Herman Riddersteen at Crystal Palace as well yes. that that raised <laughs> a few a smiles. Yes. You, you almost think, can this actually possibly have happened? But I had a month Again, I'll leave that for people to read themselves. Um, and and yeah, some some you know, one or two probably quite amusing little things along the way in management as well when he was at Chorley was a few you know, a few unexpected little little happenings. So there the, there is a bit of lightness in the book in amongst the the, the more yes. serious stuff. So, you know, I think it, you know it's important to tell his story in the full rather than just the rather than just the the, the more unpleasant parts, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It is a great read, John. Uh, I, I, I tweeted last week that it, it's a long time since I've sat down and read a book in one session, uh, and I said I could I just couldn't put it down. It was one of those. I just want to see what what unfolds next, and, and sort of getting to the end of it, I was kind of a bit disappointed. I think in this is this day and age of box sets and binging, you just want to. Well, well yeah. Where's the next volume? So hopefully, Matt's career will move on and it, it will be worthy of a, of a second volume. But for for rovers fans i would say it goes into some tr- gives some tremendous insight into his, his career at, at rovers some tremendous insight into the managers that he worked for as well mm. uh, and their different styles and i think that, that's the bit that I've, i found really interesting but also separately mm. and in parallel i think the the interactions with steve peters because I've, uh, I've read it read his book the coming together of all of those makes it for a really really interesting read and uh, uh, if you haven't bought it already people listening get out there and buy it because it really is tremendous john thank you so much once. Once again for giving up your time i really really appreciate it and i hope the book um well I'm sure the book will be a tremendous success i hope it continues to be a, a tremendous success over the uh, the next few months and that um, at some point maybe there, there will be need for a second chapter to this to this particular story
1: well let, let, let's hope so because i you know i i i think matt's got a lot to give as, as, as a person and as a football person as well i think his insights and perspectives he has now he's a bright guy he's a smart guy um i think i think could 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 re- really be an asset in in whatever capacity that is whatever he pursues i think he does have a lot to give and, and it'd be nice to think there is a there is another volume down the line however many years and uh, uh, in the meantime i think you know everyone involved is just is just grateful that, that this book has come to fruition and that it, people have the opportunity to read his story and, in full and and we're all really grateful to the to the support that the people like yourselves ian have have given us in terms of getting getting the story out there and helping helping promote it and the kind of things that you and others have, have said about it so far it's great for matt to know that that he's getting that sort of response so um i just hope that it it, it can go far and wide and people can recognize what what a powerful story matt has and mm. and i hope blackburn supporters get get a lot of get a lot of enjoyment and and, and insight out of it
2: I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. John, thank you so much once again, my friend. I'll let you get back to your day job now, but it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much for having me here. Much appreciated.
0: Oh, well, wouldn't you know it. Once again, bumped into Tony Mowbray here at Brock Hall. Tony, how'd you take your brew, mate? Well, basic, really. Uh, tea, quite strong. Uh, two sugars. And, uh, and I always drink out of my favourite mug. Oh, which which uh, which one is it? Oh, yeah, it's good and it? I got it from the Middlesbrough store. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, from yeah. Oh no, 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 Tony, not the middle, the the Rovers one. Oh, this one, right? Yeah, you can get them personalised at um, at the terrace store, uh, and of course, and as uh, manager of Rovers, I've got you can get them personalised with all of the different players of your choice. Oh, which you know, which which, which players would you have then? Well, you, obviously, you've got your your Lenahans, your Dax you know, Danny Grahams, you know, proper, proper professional footballers. But obviously I've chosen my favourite, Elliot Bennett. Oh, of, of course. Well, Joe Rothwell's one of my favourite players. Any plans to get a mug for him? He'll just have to wait his turn, I think. If you want to get one of these, get your hands on one. You, could, you just have to go to the go to the Terrace store and enter BRFCS at checkout. Oh, well, that's, that's brilliant then. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, it's fine. But remember only tony drinks out of the elliot bennett mug you'll have to get yourselves one with i don't know ben brereton on it oh uh, okay then
2: they say you should never meet your heroes I'm going to put that to the test now because I'm sat here at Ewood Park looking out over this resplendent pitch. But opposite me is the legend, the man that is Matt Janssen. Matt, welcome to the BRFCS podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's great to have you on board, I have to say. Um, A little confession there's only three times I've ever welled up in this stadium 1995, on the Monday night when the trophy was presented, 2000, first home game after Jack Walker's passing, and you had a role to play on that day against Norwich City, pinging one in, as I recall. Mm -hmm. And the third time was when you did a lap of honour round all four sides of this ground, but wearing a Bolton Wanderers shirt. And I stood and I applauded, but the tears flowed. How did it feel that day, when you were actually walking around here getting the reception, but wearing a Bolton Wanderers shirt? Oh, wow. You were crying because I was wearing a Golden and shirt. Well, I was, sad, I was sad to see you. I was sad to see you not playing for us. Well, yeah, you
3: no, know, I was sad to see, but I had some—the best career here of my whole career was was at Blackburn Rovers, and you know I had my troubles, and and I ended up going to. Bolton and um, ironically uh, first game that I once I've gone to Bolton was against Blackburn Rovers at Ewood Park you couldn't write it but no that, right. that's how it was and I came on the last 15 20 minutes and um, and the fans were incredible um, yeah and it's a local derby and it's yeah. uh, but the appreciation that they gave me I mean you say you had a tear in your eye I, you know I cried all night that night um, it was it was you know it, it was surreal you 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 you're playing against your favourite team, and and you're playing with, against arch rivals, and you get stand ovation, and it's it's incredible. It um, was surreal
2: as a fan. Yeah, I mean this was my home.
3: It, you know, yeah. I mean, this was my home, and this was. And it was it was such a, a special place for me, and it, and, it, and it always will be.
2: Yeah, it was surreal as a fan, as I say, to see you wandering around in the Bolton Wanderers' ship. But, anyhow, there we go. Let, let's <laughs> raise, let's leaven the mood a little, shall we? Yeah. So, the book, you're here tonight because it's a, an event with Matt Jansen, an evening with Matt Jansen you brought piano, guitar, or are you can sing. Well, uh, stuff? I mean, there's been a, a,
3: a few bits on social media saying an evening with Matt Janssen, I Wonder what he's going to sing and, and this, that, and the other. Um, once upon a time, I might have got on the piano. I'm not very good anymore. Um, I haven't been practicing, but uh, yeah, it, when 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 it was said when, when Blackburn invited me and said, "Would you do an evening with Matt Jansen Question, answer, and I thought, "Wow, it's not an empty room." I really hope that there's a few people there. <laughs> and then when it got sold out in two days, I'm thinking. I wish it was an empty room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't have to, but yeah, I'll be. I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm. A, I'm just human. Uh, I'm going to be nervous, but I'll. I'll do my best, and hopefully, it'll be a good night.
2: I think the crowd will be on your side. Let's hope so. Let's I, hope don't, so. I don't think that yeah, get heckled. I don't think that will might get heckled. i <laughs> get yeah, 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 for all right. the right reasons. That's way That's way So uh, I've got the book in front of me. Um, I tweeted a few weeks ago on the on the day it came out. It's a long time since I've sat down and read something in one sitting. But it really was one of those I didn't want to put it down. I, I, I kind of I knew what happened, but I didn't know yeah. what happened. Uh, and, and I think it's the revelatory nature of it that was particularly compelling. The, 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 I mean, I had such great
3: feedback, and you're apprehensive when you're when you writing a book or putting a book out there, and will anybody really want it it's been that long? And, um, but the feedback and, and the response from it on, the, on social media and it elsewhere has been overwhelming. It's such so touching um, that. People didn't really know the the true, uh, the truth really of how I was feeling, how hard I was finding it, and because when you when you playing and you come off and you scored all these back, you see, oh yeah, and you, you sort of lie to the journalist or you, you live in a false life, saying, "Yeah, I'm just building," but I knew inside I wasn't back. and I knew there was difficulties and then there was problems and and this. The the book's given me a chance to tell the story as it was, warts and all, um, but it's had incredible feedback and I'm so delighted that uh, people have won
2: to it. So what was the catalyst? What what was the the starting point for writing the book? What made you think there was a book in you?
3: i had been approached by a few journalists, would you be interested in in writing a book? And then John Coleman, the author came up to Chorley when I was managing at Chorley, uh, it was three or four, no, it was 2014 I think it was, when I was assistant manager. And he says, could I do your story? And I said, well, will anybody be that interested? And he said, no, you've got a hell of a story. Um, can we can we talk about it? I says, okay. So we, that that long ago, and we started going into it, and as it went on, it, it developed in, actually, this story is a story, and it is quite interesting, and, and we delve deeper and deeper in it. Um, and, it, and uh, I mean you talk about mental health you know whether whether I, it's mental health or whether I was just struggling and, and having difficult times um, it in 2002 that was frowned upon and that that was considered weak and psychology wasn't wasn't really a major thing in those days and now it's so prevalent and so um, in the public eye and so accepted um, I thought well, why not? You yeah. know, it, now I can tell my story instead of just pull your socks up and puff your chest out and get on the pitch and start playing. Now I can say I did struggle, you know, like and, and would it have been dealt with differently in 2019? Maybe. Um, and there was another, there was another, another instance where uh, John had shown me a, an article written by a, a, a journalist that uh, I was it was about Harry Kane and the new big hope for, for, for England be yeah. careful what you wish for, he, yeah. he might not be, look at the failures of the past, Matt Jansen was tipped to, to be England's saviour um, uh, hit the heights and then fell through the leagues with an injury ravaged career and that wasn't the truth so no. I wanted to tell the the truth, tell my story um, You know, and it, have, it had been a long time but I, you know, even when you meet so people oh Matt, I remember you you had loads of injuries did you ever have the didn't you used to be Matt Janssen yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean it was, and it was it, you know they, they it, I was mis, misconceived in it, and it, it it wasn't the fact so I wanted to tell my story um, how it actually was yeah. and, and as we went on um, and got deeper and deeper and then I get my wife's side and then yeah. I my brother-in-law's side and my father-in-law's side it, 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 the story unfolds into being a I might be biased, but um, into a, actually a, a decent story. You know, I'm not a, a reader, but it is. It, it, I think it's quite a good. Good story well, Absolutely, it's
2: a very compelling story because you've got the sporting narrative running through it. Which, of course, uh, yeah, everyone. It doesn't matter who you played for: Carlisle fans, Palace fans, Blackburn fans, maybe even Bolton fans. Yeah, for that for that short spell, they all look upon you universally with affection. So that's all terrific stuff. But then, as you say, there's another layer to it because it's about. Uh, a subject that has become increasingly prevalent yeah. in, in recent times, as you say, about so the, the welfare of footballers and all the rest of it, and it tells that story of the importance of sporting psychology as well, which is a particular hobby horse, and Steve Peters' involvement.
3: Well, Steve Peters was, was brilliant for me, um, he wrote the, uh, Professor Steve Peters, I should say, but yes. he, he wrote the uh, Chips Paradox. He was with, uh, heavily involved in the success of the cycling team, worked at Liverpool, England, um, incredible um, but he came to me a little bit too late the book yeah. explained that explain that um, but he helped me cope with life rather than just coping with football yes. he helped me cope with life but it's not, you, you mentioned Carlisle United Palace Blackburn it's not just a football book for me it, it's, it can relate to any person yes. it, it, it's a story about struggles that could happen in any walk of life and, that, and, I, and I think that's maybe why it's got a little bit more of an edge that it's not just a sporting book, it's not an autobiographical a stereotypical football autobiography. I did this, I did that, I did the next. It's more of a story about
2: life and struggles. It's multi layered, there's no doubt about that. There's, there is a, another centre forward famous at this club called Alan Shearer. And it it, at the end of <laughs> 1995, there was a Diary of the Season came out, which I think, with all due respect to Alan, and clearly he's a hero in these parts. Perhaps this is a little bit more <laughs> to it than Alan's I creosoted the fence on the day we won the league kind of argument.
3: Yeah, I mean I don't think he'll have worked as quite as hard on that one Possibly as I, I as I did on this one, but
2: You said you said the starting in two thousand fourteen as well. I think that that was a surprising revelation that this has been four or five years in the gestation as well. So when you started out on this journey, when did you think it would come to fruition? i
3: uh, and, and the book, I'll tell you, a glass half-empty person, a pessimist rather than optimist. Um, and, it, and as it went on, I'm thinking, and I have my doubts, and, and, and people around me would tell you that, and i was thinking, well, is this going to be good? And, and then we have, we eventually get the story nearly done, and the publishers say, well, would you get Graham Sooness and Sven Gunnar Eriksson and, and um, Sir Alex Ferguson and Steve Peters to, to add there? Yeah, their, their their impact to it and and, and in some allies, etc. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, they may they may not want to. And um, but we contacted them, and the response was overwhelming. You know, another tear to the eye because they were just incredibly supportive, and they they wrote they they have huge parts in the book. They to, do, yes, to, uh, yes. and say great things about me, which is which is touching. So it was. Maybe, being, oh, I don't think they'll do it, but it's, it's added to the book, added weight to the book, and it, it, nice. it, it's
2: fantastic that they did that for me. Yeah, those testimonials are absolutely terrific. So what I've done is I've marked some interesting, shall we say, passages,
0: right.
2: and about specific anecdotes, or people, and I've labelled them one to ten, so you can, you can decide which way this, this interview goes now, by your selection of numbers. If you don't choose the right number, then I'm just going to dip in, because there's a couple that absolutely must come out. So yeah.
3: give me a number between one well, might, and ten. I have to do my, play in, my favourite playing number.
2: Which was ten. Right. Okay. This is nicknames.
3: Oh shoot. Now, uh,
2: uh, <laughs> pertinent, giving events, politically, shall we say, in the last few few months. Um, do you want? Do you want to own up to the nickname that your wife uses? Um, yeah, or Would m- you rather distance?
3: It? Maybe. Well, I I don't know. I think that he uh, that my my nickname is Boris because uh, she when she used to shout at me my name uh, Janssen and everybody used to call me Janssen and come on, Janssen, and she changed that to Johnson, and then uh, then she gave him the nickname of Boris, and this was way before he was... <laughs> <laughs> the infamous Johnson. Even before he was there, I think he was, but, uh, so she, when, when I'm in trouble, Boris. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, topically, no, I think he, I'm not going to get into politics, but... Uh, no, he wants to sort it out, and, and, and it's been three years in the <laughs> running. So hopefully, we'll eventually sort it out, and will right.
2: Let's leave politics well alone. Give me another number, then, between one and nine, if you would be so kind. Uh, seven. Oh, good man, you've picked a beauty. Oh, um, Howard Wilkinson. Oh no, that's not a beauty. the <laughs> one <laughs> twenty ones, and something which I can't remember. It's some police squad or airplane, but tell the story about loudspeakers around the training ground. Oh um, well,
3: we've just finished the season at, at Blackburn um, and I was selected to go across the Bratislava um, under Howard Wilkinson prior to that it was Peter Taylor who was the England under 21 manager who um, was fantastic and laid back and I really had a rapport with him um, and then Howard Wilkinson uh, took the realm and it, it was mundane it was hard training session that's hard to credit for Howard Wilkinson yeah, he was <laughs> It was old school um, and we'd go to training and there would be speakers all around the the training ground and he had a microphone so that everybody could be heard around this microphone Um, and we were doing drill after drill after drill and set piece after set piece after set piece. And he'd be muttering, "Oh bloody hell, what's he doing over there?" And he doesn't realise that he's got these, <laughs> he's got this microphone, on that everybody can hear. And they're, they're shrinking. in <laughs> oh, is he talking about me? And but they were just long, tedious, uh, long, tedious training sessions. That uh, for somebody who likes to play off the cuff weren't enjoyable yeah. for me.
2: Please tell me you went to the toilet and didn't turn on.
3: <laughs> oh, no. It was it was constant. So there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, um, bad language that. Uh, I'm surprised that
2: anecdote has never come out elsewhere. You know, because I just think that's absolutely <laughs> terrific. And uh, howard Sergeant Wilco, you are <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah, an absolute gem. Okay, Matt, give me give me another number. Uh, number one. Number one. Okay, this is terrific. Um, we've talked about your piano playing abilities. Oh, not anymore. Karaoke abilities. So, um, if I said, put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Next line. Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues, in, in the, the middle land. of the pouring rain. There, I've summoned you out with Matty and My life <laughs> is complete. Uh, what was the story there, then? The initiation? Oh, no, that was Carl United. Oh, Carl? Oh, oh
3: yeah. no, no. That, but I've done it since. I've done it in a. I think I've done it in Bolton Nightclub somewhere. <laughs> the regular Delta <laughs> that, barf- Yes, yeah, that, that's. That. Oh, and I've done it on a, a, a CD. I've got it on a, actually on a CD as well. But I'll go back to the original time that I, I sang that. Yeah. Um, it was initiation at Carlisle United, and when you're a, a youngster at YTS, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <coughs> which isn't done these days, um, you're in fear of the first team. And come Christmas time, you all have to perform in front of the first team, so you're all bricking it, um, and you soldiers in one by one. Yeah. Jansen it's your turn. So up from the away dressing room you come, uh, as it was at, at, at Park, into the first team dressing room. You're stripped into your so you've got all you've got is a slipper. <laughs> uh, right, watch your song. Uh, walking in Memphis, nervously walking in Memphis, um, and you stand on a medical bench just in these really? tiny tiny little uh, pants. Go, and you start singing. Nervously, and then you've got boot polish thro- uh, wiped all over your DP, Vaseline, uh, broom shoved up your backside. <laughs> you've got you're getting pelters from everywhere, and uh, you're trying to continue with your song, hoping that they'll join in. And eventually, if you're good enough, they'll join in. If you're not good enough, they'll start booing you and slating you even more. Finally, into the second verse, he started singing with me. So I thought, oh. you've never- <laughs> yeah, and then they eventually clap you and then you soldier out, you go back to your dressing room and the next person is called for the initiation, so, but I got through it. Nowadays it's, it's not the same. Honestly, i am going to say things that are
2: frowned on in the uh, the late 20, <laughs> 2019, yeah. that's yeah. yet another one, I think. Oh, yeah. Right, there's, there's one other, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to talk about then, which is the, the League Cup final. One of us went into that, I think it's fair to say, with not a full-strand side, we were ravaged by injuries, by suspensions, and... Mark Hughes turned out to be a midfield maestro that day. What, what, was the, what was the feeling in the squad going into that game? Was it, well, we're just here, I'm going to enjoy it? To what extent did you really genuinely believe that you could lift that trophy? I'll
3: start by saying Sparky, and he'll admit it himself, probably, was the worst trainer um, ever. Two-touch and he has three or four touches. One touch, he has three or four touches. He, he couldn't grasp it sometimes. Come a Saturday or a Tuesday, whenever you play he was brilliant, Yeah. Um, so you could rely on Sparky wherever he was playing and he controlled that midfield brilliantly um, on the day. We were the underdogs and I mean they had some players, Poye and Froy and Sheringham and you know the, the team that they had led the King at the back and they were they were the favourites, they were easily the favourites, we had injuries as you say um, it was one of them, maybe that took a little bit of pressure off us and soon I said yeah we're the underdogs Go and show me you're not. You know what I mean. It, it was kind of it was kind of one of those where maybe we had less to to fear, yeah. And they had more to gain. They were probably in a, a lose lose because they had to win to 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 have any credibility. We if we gave a good game, we'd have credit credibility. And winning the game, we managed to go in front. Obviously, they equalised and then set up Coley for the for
2: the winner. And it was just an unbelievable, unforgettable day. From a fan's perspective. That Sunday morning in the hotel, the Spurs fans were just beautifully patronising. Enjoy your day, lads. Yeah, it's, it's great that you've made the final. <laughs> yeah. On the way back, yeah, We did not hear them so much. Yeah, not quite a Spanish <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, we've got the trophy. That's all that matters. It was a fabulous day from from the fans' perspective. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as players. So, are you not entertained? Oh,
3: that was that. Well, this is the time when uh, one of my favourite films and. Gladiator, yes. Um, That was that was a big film at the time, and Craig Short and and lads at the dressing room was uh, used to used to say as he as he had his epic battle, Russell Russell Crowe had his epic battle in the in the arena in the Colosseum, screaming to the emperor, "Are you not entertained? And now are you not entertained?" And and Shorty said to me, and he suspended Shorty said to me, "Please, Yanni, if you if you uh, if you score a goal." You've got to do the Are you not entertained? Because it was a topical film. It was, that, and everybody loved it. So I, I, endi- I ended up running to the bench trying to do it with people <laughs> grabbing all the <of> benches. <laughs> But uh, I managed to get the message out to him and he, he was delighted as well. So, yeah, that was why the, the You're Not Entertained celebration came about. Fantastic.
2: There are loads more anecdotes in the book. We could talk for hours, but as I say, we've got your, your live in concert and I know you want to walk with the rest <laughs> of it. So there's, there's just a couple more things I'd like to talk about. How, how excited are you about the event tonight? Um, excited is probably the wrong word.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous, but, you know, hopefully it'll hopefully it'll go well. and uh, and.
2: Uh, People will enjoy it, that's that's helpful. I'm absolutely sure that they will. So a question that I like to ask players, because I think it's interesting to to know who they respect and admire. I'm going to um, give you a wish. You can play one more game, and you can be a, a member of any team that you choose, whether it's club or international, and you can choose the opponents, whether it's a club side or international, from any era, and you can choose the stadium that you want to play in. Who would you play for? Who would you play against and what would be the stadium? I played for England. Um,
3: I analysed I, I Maradona as a growing up. Yeah. Um, he had he, a decent he, life. He, he, he wasn't <laughs> a bad player. And I always remember the 86 World Cup and the Azteca Stadium um, was phenomenal. Um, so it, playing for England in the Azteca
2: against Argentina, and me. That sounds, that sounds absolutely terrific not bad. Matt, thank you very very much with a winning goal of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. and then you can go well you're not entertained or you, well, yeah. you can handle it right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, thank you so much on behalf of BRFCS for giving it your time it, it's really, really, really kind of you I really, really appreciate it for those people who haven't bought the book for those people who are going to buy it tonight at the event it's a terrific read, absolutely amazing Matt, you're a legend here you always will be, thank you so much for your time and thank, thank you for doing this thank you for having me Let's go. Cheers. So there you have it, our very own Matt Jansen special. Uh, of course, a massive, massive thanks to Matt once again for giving up his time just before the uh, the event at Ewood Park there. It really was uh, very, very kind of him, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview there. Thanks also, of course, to John Coleman. John, instrumental in Matt's book. He was also very generous with his time both over the phone and on the evening as well. It was great to catch up with John. And, of course, massive thanks to our new site sponsors, the You've already heard Tony Mowbray's advice, go to the checkout and enter BRFCS to get your exclusive BRFCS discount. There's some great merchandise on the I'm sure you'll like it. As always, thanks to the guys of the Symmetry for providing all the music for this episode. And lastly, thanks to yourself for listening. What's that? That,
3: my friend, is the new iPhone in a Retro Rovers 1995 Premier League winning phone case. I need one. I can go on better than that. Not only can I tell you where to get one, but I can get you an exclusive discount. Get yourself over to the Terrystore.com and enter BRFCS at checkout. An exclusive offer for BRFCS members and podcast listeners only. Holly? I'm
0: sorry, I've got to go.
3: Whatever your phone, make sure you represent your team. Visit theterristore.com and enter BRFCS at the checkout. podcast network
2: bread Isle, are you ready to rock Dave's killer bread is the country's number one organic bread for a reason always delivering killer taste killer texture and killer nutrition this isn't bread this is bread amplified it's the 90th minute all you mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You win? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport Powered by fans.